Well, I'd like to do something a little different today, um, since we're kind of in a different context, or some of us are with regard to the class. And that is, I'd like to, I'd like to tell you a story. Don't worry, it's all biblical. In fact, it is all Bible. This is really uh, God's story. It is His story, history of the world. So, feel free to uh, kick off your shoes. You probably have them off already, or your house shoes, or refill your coffee. Just sit back and relax and listen to God's story. Once upon a time, uh, actually before there was time, there was a God. In fact, that's all there was. Uh, there was an eternal, faithful, omniscient, gracious, good, infinite, just, loving, merciful, unchanging, omnipotent, omniscient, sovereign, and holy God. And this one God lived from eternity past in three distinct persons, as Father, a Son, and Holy Spirit, completely content in fellowship with just Himself. And in His sovereign wisdom and for His pleasure, He created a realm of beings that would serve Him and would worship Him. But worship that's real is worship that's willing. And so God created these myriads of holy angels with a will to choose whether they would serve Him or would not. Lucifer was an angel full of wisdom, perfect in beauty, and yet he chose to be proud, desiring to be like the Most High. And he sinned. So God's right to rule over created beings was challenged by this fallen angel, now called the enemy, or his name means enemy, Satan, or Satan. And his rebellion began a, what you might call a false kingdom of darkness that attempted to rule in God's place. So, God decided that he would create a place where he could demonstrate his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, aspects of his character that fallen angels never experienced and never would experience. A place where his right to rule would be so demonstrated. So God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them in six days. And he made mankind, a man and a woman, in his image to rule over this creation as vice-regents under him and over his creation. And he placed them in a garden of paradise. And he told them, let them rule. And he told them, fill the earth and subdue it. But again, worship that's real, just like with the angels, is worship that's willing. So God created humanity in perfection, but with the will to choose whether or not they would obey. And God put a tree in that garden and said, In the day you eat of it, you shall die. All other trees they could eat but this one. So Satan made a plan. And he tempted mankind to sin in the same way that he had sinned, with a desire to be like God. And man and, woman, man and the woman fell for it, and so death passed to all men because all sinned. 
So which kingdom had the right to rule? It appeared that Satan had won, that the kingdom of darkness had won. But God already had a plan, a plan before the foundation of the earth, in fact. God told Satan that a descendant of the woman would one day deal Satan the death blow, would crush his head. And in the very first act of mercy displayed from a merciful God, God temporarily satisfied his wrath on humanity by killing an animal to die in their place for their sin and clothed the man and the woman with the skins of the animal. So Satan made a plan, and as the generations passed, the race of humanity became more and more wicked until the Lord looked upon humanity and was grieved that he had made them. And he was grieved because every thought of every person was only evil all the time. So God chose to judge the entire human race, and he selected one man and his family to build a giant boat, whereby he and his family and two of every animal that had been created would be spared a great flood that would come and would judge the whole earth. And after that flood that had destroyed every living thing, God repeated to this man and his family what God had told the original man and his family, the man and his wife, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Except the generations that followed didn't fill the earth. They didn't scatter. They gathered. They gathered together and built a city and a tower for themselves. So God did for them what they refused to do, and he scattered them over the face of the earth, and he confused their languages to keep them scattered. Then God chose from all these nations one man who would become a great father of a new nation. And he made him an unconditional promise. He told this great father, Go to the land that I will show you, and I will give you land, descendants, and blessing, and through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And to preserve the descendants of the great father, this great father, God sent his descendants, this nation, into a land where they prospered and grew to a nation of like four million people in the span of several hundred years, about 400 years. But Satan made a plan. He had no desire that God bless all nations in accordance to the promise, this covenant made to the great father. So Satan caused the king of the land to enslave God's people for more than four centuries and to kill all baby boys as they were born. At least that was the plan. But God already had a plan, and he raised up a deliverer for his people, who, after a series of plagues, brought them out of the land of their bondage. And so, with a mighty hand and miraculous deliverance, God redeemed them from bondage in order to make them a kingdom of priests, a holy nation set apart and unique to God. And he promised to take them back into the land that was promised to the great father. God also began for his people a book, the book that would contain truths and guidelines for how they were to live, to be like God, to be holy as he is holy, that they would be distinct from all the nations around them. He provided a tabernacle where they could worship. He provided a means of forgiveness of sins through the ritual of animal sacrifice, just like he did in the garden with the first man and the first woman. And while there were many individuals who did believe in God from this nation, the nation as a whole, as a nation, lacked the faith that it took to go into the land. 
And as a result of that, for 40 years, this nation wandered in the wilderness until there was a new generation that would rise up and would have the faith to go into the land. And God told them when they entered the land, if you obey the book, I will bless you. And if you disobey the book, I will curse you. And when you disobey, if you repent, I will restore you to your blessings as a nation. Pretty simple system. Well, they entered the land, they conquered the land, they settled the land, but Satan had a plan. And he tempted God's people with complacency. He tempted them, he tempted each person to do what was right in their own eyes rather than what was right according to the book. And so just like God said he would, he he cursed them. And over and over again until one day they had the nerve to demand of God, we want a king like all the other nations have a king. And God gave them what they asked for as a judgment. And God said, they have rejected me as king. So who had the right to rule? It appeared that Satan had won. But God already had a plan. And he chose from this nation a man after his own heart to be a great king. And God gave this great king another unconditional promise, in addition to the promise that was made to the great father. This great king had a a promise, a covenant given to him, that one of his descendants, one from his house, would rule over his throne and over an eternal kingdom. In fact, it would be the kingdom of God. So Satan made a plan and tempted this great king, and the man after God's own heart sinned and later repented. The great king had a son, and the son didn't fare very very well, even though he was the wisest of all kings who had ever lived. This son built a temple to God in the city of God, in the new capital city, the holy city. But the son worshipped the gods of his wives, and they turned his heart away. But Satan wasn't done. Satan's desire, his strategy, was to divide and conquer, and the nation, God's nation, split into two nations, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. In the northern kingdom, there were 20 kings, and none of them followed God. In the southern kingdom, there were 20 kings, and only eight followed God. God added to the book throughout history stories and history to show examples of life that were lives that were faithful and unfaithful. He added poetry to the book to show the emotion in the heart of God, uh, longing to, to connect with his people. And he added prophets. God sent prophets to his people with the, the message from the book that said, repent. Because remember, if you turn from your idols, if you don't turn from your idols, you will be carried off and into exile. If you obey the book, I'll bless you. If you disobey the book, I'll curse you. And when you disobey, when you're in the land of your exile, if you will repent, I will bring you back into the land that I promised to the great father. Plus, the Lord began to promise to his people that he would send what he called his servant or his anointed one or his Messiah who would restore the nation and rule over God's kingdom. Well, God reminded them during this time of all the promises, the promises made to the great father, the promises made to the great king, and God added to it an additional promise, an additional covenant 
called a new covenant in which God said, look, I will forgive you of your, all of your sins and I will come and indwell within you. I will put my spirit within you, within every single believer. Wow. But unfortunately, God's people wouldn't listen. So they were taken out of the land promised to the great father. Uh, and they were taken away from the promise of God, from the blessing of God, I should say. And God said, you want idolatry? I'll give you idolatry. And for 70 years, God spanked his people until they were sick of idolatry and never struggled with idolatry again. Who had the right to rule? It appeared that Satan's kingdom of darkness had won. But God had a plan. He already had a plan from the foundation of the world. Not only did God protect his people during this exile, but this time more than any other time, he sent prophets to them to begin to tell them about the spe specifics of the kingdom that he promised to the great king. The kingdom that he would bring after they repented and after they restored were restored to the land of the great father. Well, they did repent, and they called out to God, and God moved the heart of a pagan king to allow them to return to the land, and they did. They returned in three different waves. One was to rebuild the people, another was to rebuild the temple, and another was to rebuild the wall around the holy city. The people were allowed to resume their worship of God, even though they were still ruled by a foreign nation. And in eager expectation, they waited for God to fulfill all these covenants, all these promises to the great father, to the great king, and of the promised Messiah who would ultimately bring in the new covenant. And they waited for 400 years, clinging to the promises in the book. Well, during this time, God sovereignly allowed pagan rulers, pagan military, to conquer the known world. He used them to establish a universal language, which everyone would speak, a universal highway system to which there could be easy, easy international travel. And, uh, but Satan saw this, and he took action as well. And from a pagan kingdom, he raised up a leader who sought to exterminate the religion of God's people and to desecrate the temple of God. But the people of God revolted, they fought back, and they retained the right to worship God as the book said they should. And then one day, like any other day, an old priest goes into the temple to do what priests did in the temple, and while he was standing there in front of the altar of incense, an angel appeared to him and broke the silence of four centuries. The angel told the old priest that he and his barren wife would have a son who would be the forerunner of the long-awaited Messiah. God sent this same angel to a young virgin and told her that she would be the mother of this Messiah and that this Messiah would be born, a virgin-born, the virgin-born Son of God, that he would come in fulfillment of the covenants made to the great Father and the covenant made to the great King as well as the new covenant. And so, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman. Born of a woman. Satan knew that this was the one whom God spoke of to the first woman, 
when God said that a descendant of the woman will crush the head of Satan. So Satan had the pagan king of the land try to kill this child. And in the process of trying to kill this child, this pagan king also killed many of the baby boys or the young boys that were in the same town. But God protected his son, and as the years passed, this son grew in favor with God and with man. The forerunner of the son prepared the way by pointing people back to the book, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, it's at hand. And with the way prepared, now the son stepped on the scene, and Satan wasted no time to try to tempt the son, this ideal man of God, to do exactly what he had tempted the first man and woman to do in the garden and what every other human since then has done, and that is to rebel against God, just as Satan did long ago. But the son wouldn't budge. And for the first time in all human history, a human affirmed God's right to rule in the face of Satan's temptation. So Satan left him until an opportune time. And the son did all manner of miracles to confirm his message. And this message was the same message of the prophets long ago, was the same message as his forerunner, who had come just before him, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But Satan made a plan. And God's people, having waited so long for this time, instead of accepting this Messiah, attributed the miracles that the Messiah did, not to the power of God's Spirit, but to, of all people, Satan. Satan loved that. Realizing that the nation would reject this long-awaited offer of the kingdom, the Son of God began to train 12 men that he had selected to help build what the Son said he would call his church, an assembly of God's people that would be from all nations, not just one, but from all nations. And before this time, this church was a mystery. Well, the Son of God knew that in order for the new covenant to be fulfilled, For the forgiveness of sins to occur, centuries of animal sacrifices could never permanently take away the sins of people. Man must die for man's sins, and only a holy man with an eternal nature could be a substitute for all the sins of all people for all time. The Son shared this message with his twelve men, but Satan tempted them to think with man's interests, not God's, And they rejected the idea. They rejected the son's words about his death. The son journeyed to his final, uh, the final time to the holy city and officially presented himself to the people, to the nation, as their Messiah. But as the week went on, they refused to repent. And Satan even enticed one of the twelve to betray the Son of God. And the son was arrested under the likely charge of treason. After all, he presented himself as king. And the nation officially rejected the offer of the king of the kingdom with the words, This man shall not rule over us. And so the son was killed. And in God's sovereign plan from before the foundation of the world, all the sins of humanity, from the first man and woman to the very last that Uh, who would ever live, even still future, were placed on God's Son. And he cried out, It is paid in full, 
and he died. Who had the right to rule? Well, it certainly appeared that Satan had won. But God had a plan. God already had a plan from the foundation of the world. And on the third day, the Son of God rose from the dead, conquering death for all who would believe that his death was a sacrifice that paid for their sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God wasn't done with this nation because God keeps his promises, and he had made three unconditional promises to the great Father, to the great King, and to the nation to give them a new covenant. God would work in and through this church that the Son had told the Twelve that they would lead. And the resurrected Son of God told his church, Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. In accordance with the new covenant that the Son had brought in, He told them to wait until the Holy Spirit filled them and empowered them. And they did, and they were off. They started in the holy city, but soon spread and spread and spread until their message went to all the ends of the earth. The good news, the gospel, that if you believe in the Son of God, you will be saved. And many believed. But Satan incited the rulers of the nations to persecute and to kill the church, and yet they only grew in number. Not even the gates of Hades could stand against it. And God inspired men to write scripture, to add to the book, in the language now that the whole world spoke. And within the span of about a half a century, finally God's book was finished. And the people of God now had his complete revelation in written form, that they could read. But Satan wasted no time, and he introduced subtle heresies into the church, ones like the Son isn't fully God, but rather he was created by God. But God had a plan, and he raised up mighty men and women who could and would defend the book with creeds that pulled the weeds of heresy out of the church. But Satan made a plan. If the believers wouldn't yield under the temptation of persecution, maybe they would yield under the temptation of prosperity. And rather than fighting the church, Satan joined the church, and officials in the church became so corrupt, they kept the book from the people. And they spoke lies to the people and saying, the book says that you must add a life of good works and penance to your faith in order to get to heaven. Well, one day, uh, God lit a fire that had been smoldering for centuries and revealed to a monk who was reading the book, the just shall live by faith, not by works, but by faith alone. To be forgiven is by grace alone, through faith alone, as revealed in the scriptures alone. And after all of these centuries, nation after nation rose and fell, but God had reserved a remnant of his people the people who had rejected the Son, this old nation, because God wasn't done with them. God had made promises to them. And Satan had incited a man who in a a world war almost all but obliterated the people of God. For if there's no people, 
There's nobody to keep promises to. And Satan did all he could to destroy God's people in this world war. But they were preserved. In fact, after the war, amazing, God had the nations united, giving his people the status once again as a nation, and they were allowed to begin to return to the land promised to the Great Father. And then one day, unannounced, the Son of God descended from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the believers of the church, both dead and alive, were caught up to meet the Lord in the air. They were changed and resurrected to receive their rewards, to be with the Lord forever, and to escape the coming judgment that would occur on an ungodly world. But Satan was ready, and he had his man ready. And in a master stroke of deception, he sent a man of lawlessness, whom the book calls the beast. Sent him to God's people, the nation, and made a treaty with them. And this beast, this man did what no other world leader leader has ever been able to do, and that is he created peace in this area around God's nation. No one's ever been able to do that before. This guy was a hero. And in fact, some begin to wonder, is he the Messiah? Satan loved that thought. But in three and a half years, this beast broke his promise to the nation, this treaty that he had made, and with the help of the false prophet spreading lies, the beast set up an image of himself in God's temple and commanded that they bow down and worship him or that he would kill them. But God had a plan, and he sent a great tribulation on the earth that destroyed vegetation and a huge portion of unbelieving humanity. And he also converted 144,000 people from his nation to faith in God's Son, the true Messiah. And he sent prophets to the nation who began to preach the same message of repentance that the Son had preached to the nation in accordance to the book, Repent. Satan was filled with fury because he knew that his time was short. He knew what would happen if the nation repented. He knew the book. God's kingdom would come. Satan had the two prophets of God killed, and the world saw it. But then God raised them from the dead, and the world saw it. And as a result, in spite of the beast's persecution of God's people, a great multitude, one that no one could count from every tribe and nation, believed in the Son of God. Finally, the sky splits. And the Son of God came in the clouds riding a white horse, a second coming to earth. And all the church that had been taken up to heaven with him rode behind him on white horses, horses of victory. The beast and the kings of the earth gathered their armies against the Son and his army. And with no struggle at all, the beast and the false prophet were seized and thrown alive into the eternal lake of fire. The armies were killed by a mere word from the mouth of the Son of God, and the birds came and gorged on their flesh. The Son came to earth, and finally, finally, his people, the nation that he came to initially, looked on him and mourned as if they were mourning for the death of an only son, and they realized what they had done to the Son of God, and they repented and they believed in him as their Messiah. And the Son gathered from all the nations over the earth, 
and separated the nations as one would separate sheep from the goats, those who believed for life, those who didn't believe for destruction. An angel came and bound Satan for 1,000 years, and in the final fulfillment of God's promise to the great father, to the great king, and in fulfillment of the new covenant, the kingdom of this world became the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he reigned for a thousand years. The Son of God reigned on the earth from the holy city. The times of refreshing came for the people of God with the resurrected believers of all ages reigning with God. But Satan had a plan, and he had put it in place. Some of the believers who were alive when the Son entered the kingdom, as, as they entered the kingdom as they were, as humans, gave birth to children. And we all know that our children aren't born Christians, aren't born believers. And when some of these uh, children grew up, they rebelled and they didn't believe. And after the thousand years was over, Satan was released for a short time. And in a last-ditch effort against the Son of God and his people, Satan gathered these unbelievers into an army and surrounded the holy city. And then, as easy as that, fire came down from heaven and consumed them all. And Satan and his angels were thrown into the lake of fire to be tormented day and night forever and ever. And the ancient question of who had the right to rule was answered once and for all as the Son of God, the man, the Messiah, who had completely fulfilled God's original purpose for mankind to rule over his creation under the authority of God. And then every atom in the universe exploded and all the unbelieving dead were resurrected to stand before a great white throne of God. And the Son of God judged them on the basis of their works. And since all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, they were found up short, and they also were thrown into the lake of fire, where the beast, the false prophet, and Satan and his angels were to be tormented forever. Then God created a new heaven and a new earth, one that had never seen nor would ever see sin. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the new holy city came down out of heaven, and there were no more tears and no more crying and no more pain. His servants had the eternal joy of serving God, and they saw his face. And in his wisdom and for his pleasure, God had created those who would willingly worship and serve him, and they will live in inexplicable paradise forever and forever and forever. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Let's pray. Our Father, the story that we've gone through is your story. It's the history of the world, but indeed it is your story of the world. As revealed in the scriptures and as revealed in history and what the scripture says about the future of history to come. Thank you for the great grace that sent your son Jesus Christ 
to die on the cross for our sins, that he rose again to show that our sins were paid for. Thank you for the wonderful promise that you're going to send him again, that you will take us to be with him in glory, and that we will come with him again to the earth to enjoy that wonderful thousand-year reign and the fulfillment of all the promises made to Israel, and that Israel itself one day will accept you as Messiah. We're grateful, Father, for the privilege of being able to look at this huge perspective all at once and to give you praise for the great and glorious God that you are. We just rededicate ourselves to you, to your cause, and to the eternal purpose that you've called us to. And in the name of your Son, our hero, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.